Hi everyone, this is Heather, and you're listening to Simply Healed with Heather Leonard. Today's episode is called Give Your Eyes Time to Adjust to the Scene in a Dark Room. So I have so much to say on this topic um, around your health, around love, around, I mean, everything in life, honestly. I feel like this topic could go deep on many fronts, so I'm so excited to just jump right in. Thanks for joining today, guys. Ah, I love a good topic. So I feel like today's is so powerful. It's been really relevant the last few weeks for me, and I've talked about it inside my free Facebook group, my clients' groups, um, emails. It's been like just in the forefront of my mind. So I really want to share it with you today, and I'm excited about all the areas of your life that I feel like it, it just has fingers in. And ah, so here's the deal. When things happen that are big and major, give yourself a moment to breathe. And it sounds like common sense, but if you really reflect on your life, I bet more often than not, you've not done this in those moments. Um, I talked way early on about how this relates medically to a diagnosis, a big diagnosis, or any diagnosis really, because what diagnosis is simple and and easy to just, you know, brush off. But um, (laughs) the moment that we found out my husband had three brain tumors, I spiraled, like really spiraled. Um, My brain just started going. It, It was almost like someone hit the fast forward button. And all of a sudden, it was like, Quick, research hospitals. Which hospitals are great with cancer? Let's call every one of them. See who has an opening. Get me on the list. You know, it was like boom, 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 boom. And I didn't even take a moment to breathe and like really sit with this. I didn't take a moment to like reach out to friends or family or a support person or even just like an overnight like moment to digest it. It was instantaneous because I felt like the clock was ticking And I mean, I feel like this is true across so many parts of our lives that we feel that clock ticking feeling as the pressure to act. Like, um, so I said I would talk about this in terms of relationships. I feel like the same thing's true there. A lot of people, you know, if they get information about... Let's use the um, extreme example of somebody being cheated on. I feel like the first thing that they're already doing is like, I mean, they go into full fire mode. It's like, you know, I've seen people like friends as of recently who are moving money in bank accounts, changing things into different people's names and, you know, um, getting on dating sites instantaneously, updating their profile that no longer says married, it now says single or separated or like slow down a minute is all I'm suggesting because the waves that are life, you know, they just, they they're there's more coming. Like I feel like it usually the wave behind the first initial wave that caused such an impact carries a lot with it as well. I mean, just think of a tsunami, right? Those waves that come right behind that big massive wave, they carry a lot of debris. <laughs> and usually you got to sort through all that stuff before you're really in the right place to act out of a place of like logic again and not just a reactionary thing. Um, because boy, all of the steps that I took anyway proved to be pretty useless. If I if I actually look back after the diagnosis and all these places I called, none of those are where we ended up. Uh, I actually, in the end, it was the, the calling of my own brother who then, you know, had a connection at a hospital with somebody who was, you know, I mean, it was like 
those things unraveled on their own that we found are people in the right time that could get us in sooner and all these things. But I was just so panicked and felt like the only way to get ahead of it was to just start doing. Um, But then those actions that you take out of that place of fear and rushing, I don't feel like are really aligned with like getting you the answers that you need. It's usually like just scrambling. And a lot of the times it's the stuff you regret later. Um, You know, um, most of you probably all know by now, I don't want to say y'all know, but uh, that I run a free Facebook group for grieving soulmates. And I often hear about people who after their person died, they they move, they sell everything, they they sort of almost want that cleansing or clean slate type of thing. I don't know. I'm not sure what motivates that, but I did go through it myself a little bit. Luckily, I was able to sort of pull the reins on it a bit, knowing that later might hold regret. I, I on my own just sort of went, well, let me just give it a minute to sit with it. And I'm glad I did that because I don't know what that initial rush, where that drive comes from, but probably just the trying to fix things. Isn't that what we always do? We try to like go into fix it mode. Um, And I didn't know if like I wanted to see these things, if like the, because initially I think it triggers to like look at items that, that hurt to see or that bring up memories. So I think a lot of people are just like, I just need to get this out. Like, and then the problem is, you know, I mean, there's other people in your circle, right? There's other people whose lives and like a domino falling have been affected and they might want something cherished that you've now given away. They might, you know, have a little say so in things, but, um, Oh boy. So the whole analogy of what I said with the whole letting your eyes adjust to the, you know, the dark room is because you know what that feels like, right? So you turn off the lights and then flip it on real fast and you're like, whoa. I mean, yeah, now all of a sudden everything is right in front of you, but you can't even see it or focus on it because your eyes just haven't adjusted to the new way. So I think if we can attack everything in life that comes from a place of a big change or emotional hurt or any of that I think if we can just take that pause and let that let some of those waves pass let them let's see where everything settles you know once the storm has passed fully let's see what settles out and I think I mean in terms of grief I feel like that takes a couple years um in terms of like you know the diagnosis and all that time is really one of those things that you don't have on your hands in those situations and you do have to sort of have fast action but let me just tell you this and this is again not medical advice but i mean the the difference of 6 hours you know <laughs> to have let myself get a little night's sleep or like a whatever i mean it might just be enough to organize your thoughts and make sure that you're not putting a lot of energy in where, you know, it's really not going to serve you anyway. So sometimes just giving the 24 hours or the what, you know, just a, just a minute, sometimes even just a minute. I didn't even wait a minute. I immediately ran for the phone, I think. I mean, I feel like we embraced, if I remember correctly, and then it was go time. I was like, what can I do? Who can I call? <laughs> you know what I mean? It was like scramble. And if you feel that coming on that sense of urgency, go, 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 I got to do, I got to do, oh my gosh, like... In, like I was talking about before in a relationship, if somebody was like, you know, you just heard this awful news. I mean, before you just scramble, 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 breathe with it. You know, you haven't even had a conversation maybe with the person yet. Sometimes people start acting before that's even happened. And that's really putting the cart before the horse because, you know, you don't even have all of the information yet to really be able to work through it. So when you're talking about 
because I'm, you know, in this grief group, really helping people with their next step, you know, what is, how do I move forward without grief swallowing me whole and without it, you know, consuming my life? Um, I have many people who are like, I don't know what I'm going to do about, will there ever be another relationship for me? I mean, there's many people in my group, I mean, not, not unlike myself that are quite young still and can see like, wow, there's a lot of life left still before me here. And, and what now am I alone forever? Is that the new thing? And, um, you know, I, I think even then I've seen so many people who are so quick to just jump right back into a new relationship, even within the first year. My advice, personal advice, just based on, you know, what I've been through myself is that that giving yourself that time to sort of sit with it is such a gift because your emotional state is in such a chaotic turmoil type of place or for many of us that it's like knowing what your desires are even at that point is so hard. It's like trying to like pin a moving target, you know? It's like, uh, you think you know, and then it moves, and the next day it's different. And I mean, that a lot of people will say is the life of grief. It's very, um, you know, com- constantly changing and moving and and hard to nail down. So, you know, that's where it gets that whole roller coaster analogy all the time. But I mean, I feel like by introducing a new relationship into that, sometimes that just confuses it even more. Um, So my advice to my group this week was to get to know the new you first. And now this is true across the board. Whatever it is, whatever big change you've just been through, losing a job, loss of a relationship, starting something new, I just say give it time to sort of sit with it and see what the new you looks like. Because when big circumstances in your life change, you change. Um, I'm not the same person I was before I met my husband. So, you know, when people are really trying to meet their perfect match and getting frustrated and comparing it to their last partner and it's not enough, it's not the same. I mean, in large part, I think that's because (laughs) you're not the same. And so when you attracted your person before, um, you were coming from a different energy. So polarity speaking, Uh, you know, that magnetic pull and law of attraction is you attracted your true sort of, you know, opposing energy or, you know, um, or like, how do you explain this? I'm not trying to say both your, you know, you attracted what you do, you attract what you are. Let me be clear. You do attract what you are, but you also, um, I had to really define this this week as well for some people here's where it gets confusing. People think of, um, you know, like with a battery and when you have the wrong end and it repels, right? So it's like that. Yes. But also your energy attracts similar energy in the world. So if you are a very positive person, you're going to find positive stuff coming at you all the time. If you are very skeptical, that's what you're drawing in. So whether you're out there looking for something new or not, um, and this is in terms of a a job or whatever, whatever you are is what you attract. So um, when people are like, boy, I just keep attracting all these low quality, like, you know, people who are just so needy, look in the mirror a little bit at your recent actions at how much are you being like that right now because it could be your very energy that's attracting that towards you so if i think back to like you know the young what 18 year old me that met my husband um i wasn't the same and i wasn't looking for love and i wasn't you know 
I wasn't trying to make it happen because when you're trying so hard to make something happen, you're all up in your masculine energy and I wouldn't have attracted a strong masculine man because I was taking that spot. I was the one who was like that end of the battery. You know what I mean? So it was like he would have ended up being a much more sensitive and, um, you know, having stronger feminine energy. But if you're like, I really don't want somebody who's so much in their emotions and I want somebody who's a little more strong and take charge. It could be because you are in that role so much right now that you're not attracting someone else who's in that role. You know, I've heard before that the male energies never compete. So if you are already sort of posturing in that male energy, that could be the why you're not finding that, you know what I mean? That other side, that other half that you're looking for. I mean, all the more why I think that people just need to take the pause and get to know the real you now. Uh, you know, the real me now is probably not looking to attract the same um, type of man that I did back then either, if I really think on it. You know, because you want a yin fear yang and I'm not the same me I was then. So, you know, I think sometimes people get real caught up in not finding someone just like their previous partner. And whether this is because of loss or just a breakup or whatever, you can understand this. Like it's, you might be comparing and looking for all those great qualities that your person had once again. But maybe that's not the best match for you in this current state that you're in. Like for me, I probably would need somebody who is a little more softer and more in touch with like, I mean, I I don't know, like, you know what I'm saying? Like if emotionally you're needing more in that way, or if you're, um, you know, whatever it is, you just got to think of it from that perspective. Um, and this is so true. I just think, uh, for, you know, what, looking for a job or a, a great career match and all this is like, you really need to get right with yourself first and know the who you are <laughs> answer, because, you know, until you're really good with that, you're not going to know what's a good match for you. You know, and I think that especially when we're talking from a place of loss, I think that that urgency to do it right away comes from a place of familiarity, right? I mean, what when you first lose your person, you just want back that feeling of comfort and safety and, um, you know, you want to feel like it was before. And so when you're looking for the familiar, it's real easy to just grab onto the first thing that once again brings you that feeling of, say, safety. Um, when in reality, the best thing that you can do to sort of bring that in, if safety is your thing, I don't know, but uh, is to find a way to find that in your own world. You know, what around you makes you feel safe? If Is it like, you know, shutting yourself in on a Friday night with a you know, a cup of cocoa and a blanket on your couch and you feel super safe in that, uh, great. If it's being around, you know, lots of loved ones, then do that. Whatever's going to bring you that feeling and sense of safety. And then once you're emotionally connected to that again, then I think you just start to attract more of that into your world. So then bringing in a partner who is that is so much easier. But um, if I go back to like the medical side of this, I feel like that, it, it ensues panic like no other um, because, well, let's face it, nobody expects when you go to the doctor to get some big news. And so when it's dropped on you, it comes from this really startling place. And so when we don't know what to do, 
many of us just start doing. You know, it's like we might not know what we need to do, but we know it's going to require action and panic has set in. So you think I've got to move and I've got to move quick. Um, I just think a lot of rash decisions and, you know, really just poor choices are made from that place. So the hardest thing you could do, but probably the most um, important thing in that moment is to just find your peace again. You know, get back to that place of finding your inner calm and where like, you know, cooler minds prevail sort of thing. It's just let it kind of wash over you. Let that initial shock and horror and fear move past because you don't want to be coming from a place of fear and shock and terror as you're looking for your match for your doctor, right? Because if you're going to draw in practitioners who are very reactionary and whatever, no, you want a cool, calm, and I've done this a million times type of doctor. You need to calm down and find your peace so you can draw in that connection of being able to locate the people who are good at what they do, who have done this before, who are, you know, they're at a place of peace with this and they know what to do and they know how to help you with your case and it's going to be okay and they're going to help bring you more of what you need. Uh, so that for me was like a real big eye opener. It was just to like, I mean, and I think I had probably heard the advice before, but it's real easy in the moment to forget all of that and just start, you know, panic doing and sort of trying to scramble to get I don't know, grounding, you know, you feel like you lose your footing and then you're just scrambling to try to get it back. And I think it, it's just a little bit of a reverse way of looking at it when instead you should be getting the footing and then walking from there, right? Like how do we really walk when we don't have our footing? So we're already trying to move ahead and we're, we're really kind of all over the place. And so that is exactly what transpired for us medically is like we were all over the place. And so we reached out to a million different people all over the place. No, like there was, there was nothing concrete in like, Man, the first place I reached out to was like so confusing from an outsider's point of view, as you called, because basically what I ended up finding after like hours of phone calls, I feel like, is that they didn't even really accept people from the outside who had a diagnosis of a brain tumor on an MRI. That wasn't a thing. You had to have a diagnosis of cancer. It's a cancer center. So they weren't going to do anything with his diagnosis of tumors. They, until a doctor had named those tumors some type of cancer, we weren't even really eligible to go there. And that was crazy to me. Like, I couldn't figure that out. Like, no, I don't want to take the other route of like, I need to get to the right people who can look at these MRIs and tell me what the cancer is. Like, that was what we were trying to get at. And, oh, it was so, con it was a confusing time, you know, because it seemed like, we just wanted to jump to the people with the solutions because it seemed like, listen, time's not on our hands here. We got to move quick. Um, and I had always been told, you know, with cancer, like the fat, if you can find out sooner, because that's why we did our cancer screens all those years, right? So we could find cancers sooner. So that way we could be ahead of it. And because that's where better results come from. So in my mind, it was like, no, we need to do this fast. I need to get in with the experts now. But they didn't even decide whether that was a cyst, a, you know, I mean, a ma it's a mass, it's a tumor, but they don't know much about it from an MRI. So, you know, they were sort of trying to send me to dermatology so they could check for skin cancer lesions to the primary care so they could, 
you know, decide who to refer to next. And like all of that to me felt like wasted time. I was like, no, I need to get in with the experts. But as I said before, my actions didn't lead to any more of a precise in the right place, you know, person having their eyes on our situation. It was like, you know, I just wasted a lot of time talking to receptionists only to find out that we weren't even at the step yet where they could admit us in. So now I've just wasted time where I could have been, you know, just following my doctor's orders, getting on the list to make sure that we got that checked off and then got referred to the right place. And, you know, because I was just so trying to control that narrative and make it go my way. Um, You know, I think it was just sort of out of a place of pure panic, which, you know, give yourself um, grace on that. Of course, you're panicked. You know, it's scary stuff. All of this that I'm talking about, big diagnoses, grief, um, you know, dating, jobs. This is the stuff, right? This is stuff of life that, of course, you're worried. And like so much of a, I don't know, we get so tough on ourselves, right? Like, oh, I shouldn't have been that way. I should have just stayed calm. (laughs) Look at how crazy I was. No, I mean, you weren't crazy. You were acting out of love and, you know, wanting to fix things. It's just that if you want good action steps, I feel like finding your inner, you know, you again, the calm, the peace or whatever, so hard to do in those moments. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes you're going to have to reach out to some help for that, (laughs) like to get back to your, you know, your central you and get back to like the calm and the ready to even take some steps. But it will pay off in dividends, I think, if you find your way to separate from that and do just that. So I'm going to take a quick break. I can't believe how quickly I talked through that whole first hash. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, and when I give back, so much more good stuff to come, guys. So don't go anywhere. I hear from so many of you every day about how much you're hurting, carrying your grief with you every day, everywhere you go. It's impacting all aspects of your life. And, you know, honestly, I just hate that for you. I've created a program to help people through their grief with my own experiences and what has worked for me and many of my other clients. And I just want to offer to you that that program is out there and that if you're looking for more information on what I'm doing inside of it, just give me a reach out at heather at canyoucurecancer.com and I'll be sure to get more information into your hands so you can see if it's a good fit for you. You know, I really believe that nobody deserves to be miserable every day. So hopefully together we can get you on the other side of at least that and back on your way to a a life that you can be excited about. All right, guys, back to the show. So what else is it about a dark room, suddenly, you know, curtains blown open, lights flipped on, that is so challenging. I mean, for one, that adjustment period is different for everybody, right? Some people, their eyes are quickly adapted. They're able to maneuver. Other people are tripping over the obstacles in their way. You know, their feet are starting to move before their eyes have adjusted. (laughs) And I think that's kind of, you know, really telling right then and there, right? So you start moving before your eyes are fully adjusted and you can see what's even around you then you're going to stumble some, you know, for those people whose eyes adjust quickly. Sure, it might seem like they're already off and running. And so 
when people start to compare their own journey to other people in that way, sometimes it feels really defeating. Like, why is everybody else getting there? Why am I still stuck here? Um, you know, I've heard that a lot from people lately is like, oh, everyone else seems so much further along in their journey or, you know, look at this, they've already met a new partner and I'm still stuck, you know, in the past where I can't even like look at their picture without crumbling. We're not the same. You know, some people's eyes take longer to adjust. And, you know, I know I've been told that I seem to have adjusted really quickly and I'm going to be honest with you. I have not. <laughs> I have not. Um, you know, there's a lot of inner turmoil still. And I know you guys have heard me talk about my whole theory around, not theory, I think it's fact, but um, around release and turning it over and completely giving it to God. But for me, that was it. That gave me so much peace and in a day. So I went from somebody who was the same, like I couldn't get a foot in front of the other. I couldn't even stand up. I was on my floor in tears. But then when I gave it over, when I said, all right, I'll do it your way. Like, I'm here for the ride. I am here for you to show me a life. You must think there's a life for me more beautiful than this life I had before. So what is it, you know? And I think those moments are so powerful because I didn't just say, like, I was going to give it a try or I was going to, you know, try getting dressed today and out in the world. No, I took an action step of saying, wow, you know, the higher power I believe in, who I know has my best interest at heart, stripped away the one thing that felt like the glue in my life that was holding it all together. That's powerful. Like just that awareness of like, I thought this was everything. I thought I had a perfect life. It was, I didn't complain a day in my life. It was so good. You know, even our bad days were fun together. So what on earth? I must have some big, big to do, some big job ahead of me. And my love for him was so all encompassing. Maybe it was a distraction from something I had to do. Or maybe it's something so not even related. Maybe it has more to do with the fact that, you know, if he was still here, we would have met him at this park before going to this pizza place this day. And just that one act would have like saved three of us, you know, whereas all four of us would have been lost. It could be something like that. You don't know. But I had to come to the place of like, still, the higher power I believe in thought that this had to pass. He's not going to now expect me to live this life deprived. Like he, he wouldn't have blessed me with so many great things in my life just to strip it away and then leave me for the, the second half of my life to figure it out all alone and um, miserable and without anything to look forward to. And, you know, who knows what that could be? It could be a career thing that has to happen. It could be one of my kids that's going to largely need my support. It could be a friend that now I'm available for or, um, you know, I mean, even my youngest son will say that he thinks it's for the baby to be born. Um, I don't know if I ever talked about this on this podcast, so I should mention it. When my husband first passed, my um, oldest son had one of those dreams, you know, one of the ones where it feels so real. And it was, I think, the next day after he passed away where he came to him and told him that he had to pass for the baby to be born. Now, none of us understand that. To this day, that's still confusing. Um, <laughs> however, um, 
you know, I, I've talked before openly about how we had miscarried and, you know, I have some little souls in heaven, I think, that have been alone for a while. And maybe it's as simple as he needed to be there with that that little soul. Um, I don't know. But I know that my oldest son loves babies. And this has always been the case. And I know that my husband would know if he needed to give him any kind of comfort Knowing that this had to come to pass for a baby is like one of the few ways in which my oldest could come to peace with it. Um, and it did give him so much peace. I mean, we have some some strange happenings later on that... Um, <laughs> so maybe a year or two after when I told that story and my oldest heard me telling it, he was like, no, mom, it wasn't dad that came to me in a dream. It was Jesus. And he was so clear on it, it, like years later. And, you know, he was 10 at the time when my husband passed. So for him to still have the memory of that dream and to clearly remember it being Jesus telling him that, I didn't know how to react. I was kind of just taken back by it. I was jealous. I told him that much because he was a little scared after the dream. He said it was so real. It frightened him a bit because I was like, oh my gosh, I wish, you know, <laughs> I wish I could have had that. That's no fair. And he was kind of like taken back, like, no, you don't get it. This was freaky. I don't want it again. And I had to explain to him, listen, this is a beautiful gift. This is somebody new that you, you know, needed this message to be able to be okay. This is like, you know, this is just a, a beautiful thing that most people pray for because it feels like your loved one's still around. It's an acknowledgement that like, Things are going to be okay. You're being watched over. And, and he feels like that now about it. But, um, you know, 10-year-old him was a little shaken. <laughs> um, but boy, how did I go on this big tangent? Where was I going with this? Um, that, oh, so yeah. So in general, like, I don't think that any of us can know the why things happen. You know, even the most per perfect relationships are seemingly perfect that, you know, I have friends going through hard divorces right now because it was like it was their best friend. Everything seemed so good until it didn't. And now it's so bad. And why would that be? But, you know, I think just the faith that you have to have and the peace with it, that there has to be, and I hate to say cliche things like, oh, and one door closes, another one opens, but sort of <laughs> like in the, in the aspect that if things continued the way they were, it sounds like you were already headed down one path, you know, and it sounds like maybe the only way in which other things would have come to pass that might be even more beautiful for you could be something that seems so far-fetched. Like I couldn't, and I said this so many times, I can't imagine any single circumstance in which my life without him is better than my life with him, period. Period, end of it, don't even say it. Like I was over that comment. I was like, that's not true. <laughs> you know, he made everything better, easier, more wonderful, more fun, more safe, more, you know, he was everything. Like I don't buy that. Well, even my faith, let me just say this. I had a habit of putting family above God without realizing it. I would have told you I put God first, but my actions said otherwise. You know, even just saying like well, that family was the most important thing to me, like a comment like that, it shouldn't be. And truthfully, I, it took for me to lose him to realize I should have been putting God first all along. And I thought I was, but I kind of, kind of wasn't, you know, I was, I was truly so, um, maybe me focused or, you know, in our, our day to day and unaware of the fact that none of this would have been happening and in place 
without that higher power. And I would acknowledge that. Like I, I knew that logically, but, um, you know, I don't think, Oh, how do I even put it? Like, I just, I know on some level in my heart that the priorities were a bit mixed up and the loss of him drew me closer in my faith. Now people have different experiences with that. And some people pull away more, other people draw nearer. Um, but for me, it drew me closer So I can only imagine that that was another way in which, you know, that things just got better and brighter and, you know, with what's gone on. But, um, you know, nobody wants to admit that a single thing has gotten better when things don't go the way you want to. Like what? How did this diagnosis make anything in my better life better? Well, I have a good friend who just went through absolute hell with a diagnosis that was so bad. But um, she actually got to ring the bell and her cancer's gone And her life is beautiful and wonderful. And her awareness and acknowledgement and appreciation and all of that. My dog has joined. Sorry. He's so snorty. Uh, But her awareness of that is so much deeper now because of how close she came to losing it all. So, um, you know, it strengthened her in that. And that's all I kept asking for, by the way, after we got our diagnosis was like, please, I will like change my whole life. Like this has changed me. I'm already a different person. I will do these things. I will, you know, that's the bargaining phase of grief, right? You know, you try to just say, oh, it can be different. It can, I can help me. Give me a chance. Let me show you. Um, and I don't believe that's possible. I think higher power already knows. And, and in all honesty, if my husband was still here now, I think I would have fallen back into, you know, yeah, of course I would have appreciated him even more and, you know, our life and our, all everything that we worked for and had and you know all the little things but um would I be spending all my time you know doing all the different things I'm doing probably not because I don't think there'd be time in my life for all those things like I don't think I would have had that you know, capacity to do all that stuff. So something would have given and I think God knows the answer to what that is. And I think that that wasn't, you know, (laughs) that wasn't the way it needed to be. So what it is, I've come to acceptance of, but, um, (laughs) oh my goodness, boy, my dog, he just loves to get his input in before these episodes are done. Kind of cracks me up because I every time I'm like, okay, I'm on my own this time. He's like, no, you got a (laughs) co-host. I'm coming. Don't go on without me. Anyway. Oh, so yeah, I just want to let you guys know that if you are finding yourself in any life situation now where you're starting to take some action steps, make sure you take a minute and, you know, go back to right before you started taking those action steps, right before you started the path that you're down. And just try to figure out if when you started the motion, when you first started like following the breadcrumbs and taking your steps forward, did you have a moment of pause? Did you take a moment of really acknowledging like, energetically where you're at, what, you know, making sure you're in a good place and head, you know, headspace and not all over the place and panicked or fearful or because that I think is the recipe for disaster, you know, action out of a place of fear or panic or urgency never leads to good results. Um, and maybe that's where in our cancer battle we lost, you know, whereas other people might have 
Um, maybe in that moment, other people hit their knees in prayer, right? They put God first. <laughs> they didn't immediately go into action steps. They went into action steps, but their action steps were prayer. <laughs> you know, maybe those are the ones that get to the point of the results they want. I, I don't know. I just know that every single action step I took out of that place of fear and panic did not come through with any fruitful results, period. Um, when we started getting some real good action results and good practitioners taking a look at things and all that stuff, that was after the point of pause, self-reflection, digesting some of this information, um, consulting with friends and family, you know, allowing our hearts to sort of just cry a little, <laughs> you know, and grieve a little. Um, your grief process starts the moment you get a bad diagnosis and, and you start having to deal with this new way of life. So all that had to sort of come through first and then things started to happen. So you could actually be slowing down the process by quickly panicking and hopping on the phone and calling a million doctors and getting on the internet and researching the heck out of every best cancer specialist in your state and, you know, all this stuff that I did. Um, and don't worry so much about it. Like if the point of, you know, having um, second opinions and all that comes into play, the time will come for that. Um, once our doctor actually said, you know what, you might want to have second look, someone else take a second look at this. And we did. That referral and that appointment happened boom, boom. Because once a, do a cancer doctor is letting another cancer doctor know that they have a patient on their caseload who, you know, needs this appointment order, it moves so much faster than if you just called and got on a list anyway. Um, again, not medical advice, but just that's how it played out for us because I think that um, professional relationship that they have and they know, he, you know, as soon as they tell them what the diagnosis is or whatever, they know just how urgent it is, how much time there is. Um, and it, they always keep some openings on their schedules, usually for situations like that. So uh, that was a much better way for us was to just calm down a little bit and, um, you know, and instead start figuring out what could we do? You know, we still use that time in a valuable way, but like, in what ways can we calm our minds and get at peace with this? And what ways can we, you know, connect with God? And what ways can we get supportive people around us? And in what ways can we start to change our lifestyle habits to improve things for the best case scenario? You know, all those, all of those factors helped um, once we came to that place of realizing just to slow it down, you know, let your eyes adjust. Uh, and you know, we were able to get there relatively quick. But as I said, I think we all have a different adjustment pace. And having grace with that is huge and allowing yourself at your own pace and time. Some people get real frustrated with other people when they're doing this because their paces don't match. Um, and so have respect for one another and your own journeys and the timing of it all. Um, I have people still in, in my grief group who constantly harass me about it, <laughs> that I should be, you know, I'm so young, I should be moving on and looking forward to new relationships and this and that. And they, that's their agenda. You know, it doesn't mean it has to be mine. And if I feel like I'm on pace with what feels good for my heart, and if I still feel like, you know, my late husband's wife and I don't want to take the rings off. Well, this is the thing with rings too. I'm just going to bring this up because it's been such a hot topic. I will wear my rings until. So this is the thing. I'm not out looking for a new romantic relationship. I'm 
I very much feel like the love box of my life has been checked. But if, because I'm not running this show anymore, if God feels like I need that back in my life again, and he drops that on my lap in a perfect way at a perfect time, and, you know, it's undeniable, then the ring's not going to matter because the person will know that I'm available because I will have let them know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I will make sure the people that need to know will know. <laughs> and... And that will probably only come from a place of me really being even ready or available in that sense. But then beyond that, for me, what feels right is that that ring would stay there until, you know, if someone else ever put another ring on the finger, that might be a reason to move this one to the other hand or to, you know, but, but it, for me, it, it, it's, it has earned the right to stay where it is until, you know what I mean? Like, only reason that somebody closes one door is to sort of open the next in that sense. Like, so I don't know that I need that thing. But for other people, that step is so hugely important because for them, it signifies, okay, I am ready to, to turn the page and see what the next chapter holds. So for them, that signals their own internal, like, I am ready. I'm there now. I'm like, you know what I mean? I'm in a healthier place. So I think that's why some people are like so drawn to wanting to talk about this. And like, it's because for them, symbolically, it means something different than for me. For me, it, it reserves a spot that even if it was to ever be occupied by a new person's heart or new person's ring and whatever, for now, until it is occupied, then it already is occupied. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it already has its, you know, I don't know. It's the best I can explain. <laughs> it just is. And I don't even think any of us really need to explain. We just need to do what feels aligned and right for us. And, um, and in terms of, you know, anybody who's just sort of wanting to go, go, go with any kind of action step in their life. Just take the minute to pause, you know, really self-reflect and figure out exactly what energy you're coming from. Because at any time you're coming from the energy of like wanting to make something happen, first of all, it's very masculine energy, but then realize what you're going to be drawing into you and like in that energy space, in that headspace, especially if it's fear-driven. Ooh, if it's fear-driven, then you're not going to be attracting in the outcome you likely want because not many of us want to attract fear into our lives. So let's face it, that's never a good place to be grounded in when you start putting your desires out there and taking action steps to achieve them. So um, I hope you all have flipped the light on because it starts with just even that action, opening the blinds, flipping the switch, and so that you can start to adjust to the new way and then just spend some time in self-reflection. And then I think you're going to be ready to, to move forward in a much better and productive way so good luck with that guys i'm so grateful for you listening as always and hopefully i'll see you again next week